Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined with a uh, special guest because we have yet to bring on a damage controlman onto the show. And I was very fortunate today that one of my friends on board Coast Guard Cutterope agreed to come. So without further ado, here is Titus Dixon. Hello, everybody. My name is Titus Dixon. I'm the damage controlman third class on board Coast Guard Cutterope, and I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you. I mean, you just have a wealth of knowledge and want to get in discussion, like way beyond damage control. So yeah. I've been trying to get this interview in particular scheduled for months <laughs> because of that. Yeah, it's just, been a little while. I'm sorry, you know, one of been... us is always on duty. Or, I know. It's been it's hard. It's just to... not lining up. But okay. So to start out, uh, a lot of the viewers are probably curious on how was your childhood growing up and how did you find out about the Coast Guard? Yeah, so I grew up on a small island in Washington State um, called Lummi Island, and kind of just a classic, like, outdoorsy childhood, running around the woods, playing with sticks and stuff. I got interested in the Coast Guard kind of randomly. I just saw some random coastie walking around when I was uh, on a road trip in Washington State, and I thought to myself, that's, you know, I don't really know a lot about the Coast Guard, I kind of want to check more about it, so... Gave the recruiter a phone call, and you know, long story short, here we are. So, did you join right out of high school, or did you take a couple years in between to do some other jobs? I did not join out of high school. I took about four years, I think it was, off. I've done a lot of different jobs, but mostly I was a um, a fisherman, and then I in the off season I would go and travel. So, I was doing that for a while, and I eventually just decided I needed to do something uh, bigger than myself. So I decided to join. Well, I can tell you this is that once the viewers, if anyone doesn't know, we post all of our photos of our guests on the Instagram handle at Coast Coasties on Instagram. And when I post Dixon's photo, you're going to know instantly he's from Washington because he drove here to Subaru and he has the classic Starbucks cup with him. You left your Mariners hat at home, but you have to wear the Seattle Mariners hat. Well, they didn't make the uh, second round of the playoffs, so I had to put that in the closet for a little bit. Hey, next year, right? Next year, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we'll get into the whole process of you joining the Coast Guard. I actually want to touch in because you mentioned that you were a fisherman beforehand. Yeah. So are you, we talking like the classic deep sea fisherman? Like you had like the big like orange like coveralls on and the beanie hat? (laughs) Yeah, I did have the classic uh, fisherman getup, but it's kind of different, I think, than what a lot of people picture. Um, I was on a really small boat. I was actually on the smallest boat or, I mean, uh, the oldest boat in Bristol Bay. I think it was 1952, uh, wooden craft. And it's only 32 feet long, crew of maybe three to four. Some boats have five. But 32 feet is the max, so everybody, I think, pictures a a much larger vessel. And it's not so much deep sea. You're well within, like, boundaries set at the mouth of the river. So I I specifically fished in um, Bristol Bay, Knack-Knack River, to be even more specific, but... um, yeah, it was gill netting, so you let out about 150 fathoms of line. There's a, a cork line and a lead line, and the salmon just swim into that, and then you start reeling it on with a big drum and start picking them out. And you and have a huge bags. catch of salmon within the nets. Yeah, like you'll you'll tell if it's a good set. You'll see them jump, and they'll be wriggling around trying to get out, but it's designed to catch them by the gills. So. Is that where the cheers start happening on the boat, too? Like, oh, got yeah. a big set. Yeah, you can tell. Well, wild-caught salmon's just... You, you know this. It has such a different like taste than farm rice. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sure it's a big industry out there where they have so many wild-caught salmon that could be fished out there. Is it pretty competitive, though? Like Did you notice that the workers out there, they really fight for that yeah, catch? Yeah, it's crazy. On the, on the flood tide, so when the tide is coming into the mouth of the river, that's like the most competitive time. People are fishing right on that boundary, fighting for position. Boats are crashing into each other. No joke. Like it's, It gets really heated. You're yelling at other crews your captains are yelling at other captains it's everybody's just battling for position there and it becomes kind of a game to fish over the boundary line so people are kind of pushing it further and further and uh it's funny because the coast guard's there waiting to see who's going to go the farthest and who can they catch and uh you know you don't want to be that boat because that prevents you from catching fish and that's your that's your livelihood at that point so Right, because it's all about the amount of fish is your capita and how yeah. much money you're going to take home yeah. after the fishing season. You don't even know like what uh, the price of the fish is when you're fishing for it. So that all comes at the end of the year. 
you don't know if it's going to be a good year, if it's going to be a bad year, poundage-wise. So you need everything you can get. You're you're fishing around the clock, and it's uh, it's really hard work, but it's really really fun, and I enjoyed it. I think I might, if I decide to get out of the Coast Guard, go back and at least do a couple more seasons. Well, I was gonna say I I'm from Maine, so I've grew up in there, and we mm-hmm. have a similar situation to the lobstermen. Yeah. That the younger people are often the sternmen, they call it. So the ones hauling the traps and laying the traps out. And they've told me stories about just how it's always a joust in a fight because there's so many lobsters in the area and everyone always is so competitive to want to try to get the biggest catch because that is directly influencing how well your quality of life is going to be the rest of the year is your catch a fish. Yeah, and for a lot of fishermen, that's all they do. You know, They just fish and they... They'll fish in Bristol Bay. They'll go down and fish in Hawaii for tuna, or they'll come over here and you know do lobster, or scallop, or whatever kind of connections they have in the fishing industry. They'll use those to their advantage. But that's a lot of people's lives, so they're really putting it all on the line. And it's so expensive to get into fishing permits. I think I don't know about these days, but I heard they were going for two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, sometimes. I was going to say I'm sure they make it like a higher cost of entry, so that puts more <laughs> pressure to catch more fish. Exactly, and yeah. it just makes that much harder to get like that entry level start. So mm-hmm. to have those connections is pretty good. Yeah, but anyways, I digress. We'll talk about fishing in another episode. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I actually I appreciate hearing the story about the fishing because it kind of relates to one of the many missions the Coast Guard does is yeah. regulating the fish catching. Yeah. So I'm sure that's another thing you had to do on the boats was. Be conscious of what size of the fish you're catching, and make sure they're within regulation. Yeah, not not so much size wise. Like it's kind of everything's fair game at that point. What they do is they'll allow like a certain amount of fish to go up the river to be sustainable, so that those fish can breed. And so, you know, fishermen are very respectful of that too, making sure that that fishery remains sustainable. But something that you do as a crewman have to like regulate yourself is like <clears throat> bycatch. So we get a lot of like, I don't know if they're flounder, the little small, like flat guys. Oh yeah. Like the flukes back. or whatever. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what type of fish, but you throw those back and you know, some random other sorts of fish that you're not allowed to keep, but yeah. Well, I just, I'm, I'm so astounded because what's always so cool to me is we have so many different, like people have come from different areas. Like mm-hmm. we just talked the other day, Carbonus like has like his own radio gigs back home and there is so many different careers we come from and to see how we all ended up on this boat together is really crazy it almost makes me think about like the crew of lost like on the airplane like how they all came from so many different lives to just come to this point yeah all walks Um, of life it's pretty crazy so you were a fisherman you had (laughs) other jobs Uh, i think you mentioned one time you know you were a dishwasher Mm -hmm. at a restaurant so a completely different set of array of skills there but you joined the Coast Guard. You went through boot camp. Where do you get stationed? So out of boot camp, I went to Coast Guard Station New York in Staten Island. Small boat station. I think it might be the largest small boat station in the Coast Guard. Uh, super busy, very high operation tempo. Originally, before joining even, or like as I was thinking about joining, and when I got out, I was thinking bosun mate. I was going to go bosun mate. And I got to station, and I saw kind of how they operated there, and I saw how <laughs> the bosun mates were treated, and I slowly decided against that and then I started looking at the ratings and just kind of looking at rating descriptions and thinking about what I could get out of the Coast Guard because everything's how you make it with the Coast Guard and uh, I started looking at the damage controlman rating seeing what they do and I thought to myself that's a really you know versatile rating and um, I kind of wanted to learn more about it so decided to go to school. Well do you find that a lot of people you think Joined the Coast Guard, wanted to be the bosun mate because that's always the most advertised rate of the entire Coast Guard is bosun mate. And then they get to their first unit as a non-rate. And then after working a little while, some people decide, yes, this is what I want to do. But then others decide, oh, maybe I should think about something else. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably do come into the Coast Guard thinking, oh, bosun mate or MK. But then they see kind of the smaller parts of the Coast Guard that aren't so advertised and so, you know, in your face. Right, you might not even know half these rates exist when you're going to apply to the recruiter. Exactly. Yeah, and I didn't know that Damage Controlman was a rating either, but it turns out to be, well, obviously one of my favorite ratings, and I think that what they do is like so versatile and that personally I think I'm going to be getting out of the Coast Guard, so I wanted to be able to take something from it, and the training that I got in school translates really well to the outside if I wanted to go to a trade school or something like that or just get a job. 
And so, yeah, that's why I chose it. Well, I was going to say the damage control. We hear so much about the civilian transition to being able to use those skills you developed as a damage controlman, both in school and at your unit as a damage controlman. I've heard shoreside units like stations and stuff, they have DCs there that can be like carpenters and you know work a lot with wood and like building and constructing. They're the DCs that are doing that. And then underway, I mean, they have welding skills, plumbing skills, all these essential trades that are in high demand right now, especially in today's society where there's fewer and fewer tradesmen because college is so heavily pushed uh, at high schoolers now that trades are an afterthought. Yeah, definitely. That's why I decided to do it. I was thinking this is an industry, any industry that I could get into because of my damage control experience are industries that are aging, you know, and that need people. And so that's reflecting in the wages. So that's always a good thing. But yeah, so you get a wide variety of stuff with the damage control rating. Like you said, land side, it's a lot of uh, carpentry and construction. Or if you're at a, a mat team, you're going to be doing a lot of welding. But underway, yeah, it's a lot of plumbing. It's a lot of just teaching about uh, DC stuff, like firefighting, flooding, which is what I enjoy a lot. I'm really glad that I'm at a unit where I can do that. I haven't been doing so much carpentry, really, since A school. So that's something I'm kind of missing out on. But the stuff that I am able to do, I'm really thankful for. And I, I love my job, you know. I like doing the, I like teaching. And that's the majority of what I do, I'd say, these days. Well, that's the thing is teaching also helps you learn better mm-hmm. yourself. And it almost cements those skills because, you know, a lot of schools, let's say that we go to school and then we go into the rate and we're just actively working the essential parts of it that we use on a daily basis. We start losing those little things. But you as having to teach everything because every crew member on any cutter needs to be damage control and certified, basic damage control, which means that you have to be able to initially respond to fires, floods, toxic gas leak emergencies, basically any general emergency that mm-hmm. would be piped. And so as the damage controlman on board, Titus is very heavily responsible in ensuring that everyone is taught and knows it. So as we go over sections of the packet required for damage controlmen, Titus is often at the forefront of teaching each of those sections, and people come to him because of the damage control man, right? Yeah, and if that's one of my favorite parts of the job. But that's not all it is. I do a lot of, people would say kind of random work. People come to me with projects. They say, oh, we need to be able to mount this something somewhere. Can you weld me up a little piece? So it'll be a lot of that too, which I also enjoy doing metal work. But yeah, teaching is probably, I'd say the main part of my job right now and part that I enjoy the most, maybe. Well, I'd say that's going to be the most essential thing, like, coming out is just being able to answer those random questions. When you see, like, mm-hmm. how desperate people are on TaskRabbit and sites like that, that, oh, we just need this little random project done, but they pay big mm-hmm. for quality work that's done in those fields. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a couple people go to damage controlman school on the topic of that, and they fail out of it. Is Do a lot of people fail out of that school because of a certain section or a particular reason because it sounds like a lot of people want to be a damage controlman and then they ended up not passing something within is there a hard or difficult part yeah a lot of people wash out during the welding portion it's just so intensive and it's a really hard skill to learn especially in the two weeks that they allot you to do it and they don't expect you just to learn it they expect you to become at the least proficient in it and i'd say that's really hard for a lot of people to do it was really hard for me to do and nobody in my class failed out, but I had somebody that was very close. And a couple of people on the boat I know did fail out of the class, maybe on multiple occasions because of that particular class. So if somebody's listening to this and they want to go DC, it's not like um, I'm not trying to discourage you, but you know, be prepared to like really put in the work and try to concentrate on that portion. The rest of the school, it's not easy, but you know, you you learn it and it's easier to pick up, I'd say, than the physical skill of welding because it's a really fickle art and a lot of people can't really do it, I don't think. Well, on my old um, ships, we used to do a training similar to how we do train on the Oak. And one of the training sections for us was uh, performing a weld. And they give us the uh, style to do stick welding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that the style they have you do in school or do they have you do a different type of welding? Yeah, we do stick welding in school. And uh, so it's a... It's, now we're getting to the weeds, but it's 7018 rod. And um, yeah, you have to complete uh, four different pracs, practicals. 
And the criteria in which they judge is just really difficult to pass. You can lay down a really nice bead, but it's not going to pass. If it looks good on the eye, that doesn't mean anything because the inspector, you're, the person who's teaching the class is going to take that and really, really look at it. And if they find, I, I don't know what the criteria is exactly, but if they find a couple of indentations or holes in your weld, it's a no-go and that's a fail. And that's just even more points you're dropping down on the board. And that can get into people's heads sometimes too. If they fail a prac, you know, you're gonna have to go back and practice some more and then they, they'll feel like they lost it and then they're not ready for a prac again. And that's what I would see in my class a lot of the time. And even with me too, I'd fail a prac and I'd say, shoot, I gotta go practice a lot more before I can nail this prac down again. But that takes up a lot of time and it's also pretty time consuming uh, activity as well. Can you guys hang out in the shop during your off time? So I know that in A school you have your classes and you have your free time. Can you go to the shop during your free time to practice? Um, I don't think, I don't think so. Just because, you know, you're dealing with high voltage and you're. I think it's more of like a safety thing. They don't want you to be there operating equipment while the teachers aren't there. So pretty much all your time's got to be when it's allotted for. And so it's pretty tight time schedule to keep. Yeah, I was going to say, because I even remember when I was doing the stick weld, and it would get, the stick kept getting stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was getting very frustrated because that would cause that indentation, like you're saying, because yeah. oh, I put it on that spot for too long. Yeah, and if that stick gets stuck at the beginning of your weld, I mean, you can correct it if you're good, but if you're not good, then it might mess everything up for you. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice afterwards, though, to like see the fruits of your labor when you get it, that nice, smooth, like, yeah. that what they're looking for at least externally oh it's the best feeling in the world and when you nail a practice see that and you hold it up and it's all like <laughs> just seam together like flawlessly yeah. it's so when nice it, when it clicks it clicks and that's probably the best feeling all right so guy welding is the difficult part in a school but yep. as we were talking there's so many versatile sets and i think that's what is really important because my opinion on the future of the coast guard is that less and less people are going to try to make it a career, especially with this blended retirement system the military is doing. There's less incentive to make it a whole career because you can get an employer match at just about any company. And the high pension was what the military used to always like hold people for, but now it's a lower pension. People are likely to go somewhere else or privately invest in a 401k or Roth IRA of their own. So my prediction is that more and more people are going to be like you. They join the Coast Guard for a couple of years, gain some practical skills to use on the outside, and they want to be able to translate that. Now, what a lot of people don't know uh, is besides just the use of GI Bill for college, you can also use the GI Bill for trade school. Is that correct? So if you wanted to further expand on one of the skills you've learned. Yeah, I mean, I could probably, like I said, I have a very basic, it's like a jack of all, master of none type situation with this rating, and it's that's just because I'm only, you know, about a year into this rating. But yeah, I imagine I could take my skills I've learned and probably talk myself up a little bit and say, hey, I want to get into this program and, and use a GI Bill for that, which I think you're correct in saying that a lot a lot of people are going to move that direction. Personally, I think I'll be getting out and for other reasons, not necessarily having to do with pension or anything like that, but more so stability. I'm from Washington State, obviously, so it's like I've been on the East Coast for the last three years of my life. I'm ready to go back home. I'm ready to have something a little more stable, but we'll see what I can work out with the civilian side of things. Right, because likely with Seattle being like a big Coast Guard hub, you mm-hmm. could probably get the stability being in Seattle, but you'd almost guarantee yourself the Whitehall experience your yeah. next or the Red however Hall many experience. years. Yeah. And it's tough. You know, stability is tough to find on a cutter, and that's exactly why you're viewing to get out. But I guess what I would tailor is what can you give advice to someone that they don't want to make the Coast Guard a career? They just want to get in a couple of years. What's the best way they can go about approaching it, especially if they want to be a damage controlman like you, to make the most of that time that they have with the few years that they have to be able to develop some of those skills and utilize in their first class because you have a great first class on board as well to yeah. help teach you when you don't know something you go with them a lot of times because you're the dcs yeah i mean i would just say really i mean if you're even if you're not thinking about dc or anything like that just choose something that you don't think you would get the opportunity to do anyways you know i almost went em because 
you know, I thought to myself, well, I'm not, you know, very knowledgeable with electricity. I think that might be a good rating to go into. But then ultimately I chose DC because of the versatility. And so I think if you are going to go DC, you should go anywhere with an open mind. Everywhere is different for every DC. I'm doing a lot different work than all my buddies out of A school because we're all in different places. And C schools, just apply for C schools, you know. That's the best way to make the most of your time in the Coast Guard. And then aside from that, yeah, utilize your leaders. I have a great DC one. He was at an ATO prior to this, so he's probably the most knowledgeable person that I could have in this situation. So I'm always picking his brain about different things and his knowledge set is just so vast. So I'd really just make use of your resources. Well, I'll fill in the viewers. Uh, ATO, it's a team that uh, essentially coordinates trainings. Every cutter, every two years has to go through a run through of all their drills that you have to like do to stay mandated and have to quals. And the ATO basically runs those drills to make sure that the cutters perform them safely and correctly and efficiently. And so what Titus is saying is that our DC-1 on board, his prior unit was at one of his ATO units. So he ran through these drills countless times over the couple of years he was there and knows them to T how they're supposed to be performed. So having that resource like that on board, Titus can take advantage of that and really expand his knowledge because he's with such a great knowledgeable DC-1. So he's very fortunate to have a higher rank and petty officer that can assist him yeah. in those endeavors. One thing I'd like to add to about your previous question, how can people make it worth it for them, is um, go TDY. You know? You're going to have a lot of opportunities to go learn something else too. My buddy, he's an EM3, and he's trying to solicit for the Polar Star. And he's at a structures and facilities unit right now. So he's doing a lot of construction work? Not necessarily construction, but just like kind of industrial type of electrician work so he's trying to get underway to get that experience as well so he can kind of broaden his horizons i think that's really important to do too i haven't had the opportunity to go tdy anywhere but i definitely would we've had just such a crazy busy schedule that's a whole nother <laughs> yeah. can of worms to get into <laughs> yeah i wouldn't really have the option why these podcasts are infrequent right now but <laughs> um anyways i digress so that's another issue <laughs> So basically what Dixon's saying here is that TDY is basically getting to go temporarily work for another unit to broaden your horizon and skills because landside to cutter is very, very different no matter what rate you are. So for example, I'm currently a non-rate and we don't have marine science technicians on board Coast Guard Cutter Oak. Marine science technicians aren't on board any cutters, but... I wanted to be able to see how a marine science technician works before I wanted to commit two years to waiting to go to marine science technician school. So I applied to TDY and I was transferred to sector northern New England up in Portland, Maine for a week to work with solely MSTs. No one else was there besides MSTs. But the importance of doing that TDY was it allowed me to get hands-on with something that I was not familiar with in my day-to-day work routines that were able to broaden my horizons. And for me, it cemented that, yes, I want to do this career path, become a marine science technician. In the case of when you're already rated, like an EM3, it allows you to basically put the complete package together. Because if he decides to get out of the Coast Guard after his first tour, he at least wants to be able to see that side of stuff to know how it works. Because having that knowledge, I'm sure as you know, is like just so vital. Yeah, that's what he's basically looking to do. It's just get an overview because he was at station new york with me as well and then he went to another land unit so he hasn't really seen that underway side he went tdy with us actually so he got a little bit of it but um, oh i remember him yeah yeah so it's cool yeah but as you know we don't really go out for that long and the polar star is going to be out there for i think five months this uh patrol so he's trying to see if that's really what he wants to do he did more lines once with us because oh. we had nobody else out there. Yeah. So Boyle made him do the more in line. That's funny. That was funny then, knowing that context now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I'd also like to add is like with your skill set, I think the knowledge of just knowing, like you said, you're almost like a jack of all trades, master of none. I think the best part about that is knowing how other jobs work because in high school before, I used to flip houses with a professor Mm. and 
we would have to call the plumbers, the electricians. We'd have to do some carpentry work, drywall work, you know, all the whole spectrum of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get it all as a DC. So even if you specialize in one of those fields afterwards, you have the knowledge of how the other things work to be able to talk with these people. If you want to get into like house flipping, let's say, you can talk to an electrician and know what they're talking about, not be clueless. Yeah. When they're talking, oh yeah, we had to go wire this, this, and that. And yeah, I really like um, just having that. Yeah, that base knowledge to kind of get into any of those situations, not necessarily be you know super <laughs> into it or like knowledgeable about it, but. Yeah, I could talk to a lot of different people about their jobs and kind of have that base understanding, which is nice. Well, I want to get into another topic with you. Uh, We'll circle back to D.C. after this, but you mentioned before that you're really big into public transportation and infrastructure. Yeah. And so I want to hammer this home because this is something that I want to tie into our Coast Guard discussion. I know it's funny how we tie this in. Yeah. I've had this like big thought, and I feel like you're the person to talk to about this, right. <laughs> is I've been vehicle shopping recently because, you know, I, I figured like in my mind, oh yeah, you need a vehicle when you start working at a station. But a lot of these places in the Coast Guard are strategically positioned inside big city centers, Yeah, all these super hubs. Mm-hmm. You know, Newport's becoming a super hub, and we don't have really good transportation effectiveness here yet, but if you yeah. think Seattle, Boston... Charleston, South Carolina has the whole water taxi system where they have all the water taxi boats going around. Okay. So how do you feel going forward in the Coast Guard, they could promote using or utilizing public transportation systems better to promote that, to getting people to sign up for their employment, just making that part of their life easier, not having to worry about commuting through a struggle of a city or whatever. Yeah, the fact that so many units are in heavily populated areas i think that would be really good i think the root problem with it all is that it doesn't exist a lot of places you know like here i can ride my bike to work i don't live that far but it's just i don't because i'm riding on the shoulder and i you know there's cars whizzing past me and it's just it's just it's plain dangerous you know like i'm it's in the early morning it's dark out i might have my lights but you know some somebody's hired they're not completely awake yet they might Mm -hmm. hit me I think that there needs to be a lot more options for people because cars aren't the answer, (laughs) but everybody drives them and you kind of have to if you're living in certain places that the Coast Guard is requiring you to live in. But I think it'd be really good if we could, yeah, start moving towards other options for getting to work. I think everybody should be able to have multiple options. Right, because we both live close enough that if we did have bike lanes, Mm -hmm. maybe a sidewalk everywhere, Yeah, we could use those you know other means of transportation greener means and i think what's like the coolest thing is where were we recently it was uh norfolk virginia Mm -hmm. i think because that's such a super navy hub did you notice they had those like electric tram systems coming through town i wanted to take it but i didn't (laughs) i was kind of hoping that we would start getting more development of those things in key like places around the country, but the country's infrastructure system is just so old on the whole public transportation. I mean, yeah, and I think a problem with it is just like people aren't aware that there's other options. You know, we're so addicted to our cars, and we're still you know we're building drive-through Starbucks, we're building drive-through everything still, and it's people don't don't really know about transit-oriented development or anything like that. Where you know it's not the only option. I think I really like woke up to it when I went to Europe. I did a big trip through Europe and you know, I didn't bring a car. I, I just I flew over there with my backpack and I took the train everywhere, I took trams, and it was so nice because I love driving. I'm kind of a car enthusiast, but I don't like commuting. I hate commuting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other options. There's other options out there and being in New York City before here, I loved it. I could just hop on the train, I could go anywhere I wanted without needing my car. And uh yeah think it's really important to bring light to that that's one of the few cities in the united states i think is so interconnected through those public transportation systems but yeah. what's unfortunate is that you go to a country so you have your experience in europe i mm-hmm. have also been to europe i've experienced what you're exactly talking about all the countries are so interconnected with each other it's almost mm-hmm. like yes the countries are as big as our states in some cases mm-hmm. but they each have individual economies and systems, and they're so 
dispersed and they can still just connect train to train. But yeah, my experience personally was in Korea and Japan, mm-hmm. where in Japan I took the bullet train, the one of those magnetic rail trains yeah. that goes like 200 miles an hour. That's awesome. And it had maybe 13 stops from Yokosuka to Tokyo. Mm. And it was an hour for those 13 stops to hit, and the train was packed. But we all got to where we needed to go very efficiently, quick mm-hmm. pace, and they got everyone where they needed to go. In Korea, I was completely across the other end of the country, and my friends in Seoul. And I was able to take that train, it took three hours, but I was able to get across the entire country, and it cost maybe $15 for a ticket. Wow. It wasn't expensive at all. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand why here is, it makes it so difficult. But I think, circling back to why I'm talking about this, is I think that, yes, we can't make that change on our own. Mm-hmm. But I think if we could collectively, as younger enlisted coasties, push that up, maybe higher command could fight for us in Washington or something to push yeah. more towards public transportation would help military recruitment even. Yeah, maybe like a public pass or something like that for everybody to get to work if that's something they're choosing to do. Because, I mean, you know, I don't know. You've been to Seattle? Yes. Yeah, so the base is not necessarily downtown, but it's it's pretty close. And if you want to choose to live in downtown Seattle, could be using public transportation to get there. Um, it's not going to be the, the best route. Seattle doesn't have the best public transportation, but they're getting there. They have the airporter buses that go all the way around the sound, too. Yeah. Which I really, that's what I used when I was out there. I used the airporter bus. Okay, yeah. To get to SeaTac. And the link, the the tram, they call it a, I think it's a light rail, but it's kind of more commuter rail just because it's so long. But it's getting there. So I think, yeah, I think passes, like allowing, or just a certain amount of allowance to for, to allocate to public transportation would be really good for the Coast Guard. But I think everybody just needs to become aware of it in the beginning. You know, nobody's going to use it if they don't think about it. Right. Car, I just, car's the default, you know. You know, I've heard so many stories. Was it Interstate 2 or Route 2 out there that is horrific traffic-wise, commute-wise? and In Seattle? Somewhere around the Seattle area. Maybe it's on the coast sure. of Oregon, uh, mm. just somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. But that's basically because I go on the Reddit pages quite frequently for the Coast Guard mm-hmm. and... When people are asking where should I try to get stationed, they'll say these are these beautiful areas like Seattle. But to be able to afford at a reasonable price the BAH they give them, mm-hmm. you gotta live so far out and then you gotta factor traffic into that and it makes it not an ideal place to live. Yeah. For that factor alone. So if we can eliminate that factor, yeah. I think it'll put ease of consciousness on the people themselves, which is what I think, you know, the upper command in Coast Guards really want to do is they want to make their employee and the worker at the lower level, they want to make their life as comfortable and easy as possible because it's a demanding job we do already. Yeah. And they don't want us to have to suffer with over an hour commute each way after a long, hard day of working for the government. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. A lot of people just choose to you know suffer through that traffic for right now for now <laughs> one but, day it'll be different yeah um all right well anyway, it's getting back into damage control <laughs> yeah <laughs> divert again fishing and transportation but <laughs> it's all important stuff and all relates to the coast guard so that's why i'm happy to talk about it yeah so you've been on coast guard cutter oak for about a year now uh a little over mm-hmm. how would you say you've enjoyed your time here coming from a small boat station and go into buoy tender black hole life i mean obviously there's so many differences yeah it's so different um it's a completely different side of the coast guard i think a lot of people don't really know about aids to navigation i can really say that i love it like yeah our schedule's tough and we work really hard but it's so meaningful like it's, it has a real impact on real world and how just logistics you know freight moving in and out of the country it's an important job, and it's kind of just interesting that the Coast Guard does it. You know, it seems sometimes like it could be a civilian, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sector, but it's not. People say it's the hidden gem of the Coast Guard. You know, everybody wants to get into Aton, and I was really thankful I could. This was the third boat on my pick list out of A school. I really wanted to go to a cutter, not necessarily a white hole. Partly just to broaden my horizons. You know, I wanted to experience cutter life, underway life, 
here I am. So I really enjoyed it. I've made some really, really great friendships that I think are going to last a really long time. And it's a struggle sometimes, but we all are in it together, and that's part of it. So but that's the know. unique dynamic of a cutter is like yeah. you don't really understand that if you haven't been on a cutter. And that's exactly. why it's important for everyone in the Coast Guard to like have that experience, even if it's just like your friends doing a couple months not really attached to a cutter full-time unit is yeah to experience just how close a crew can get mm-hmm. with most jobs you have your co-workers and then you go home to your home life mm-hmm. but your crew ex- especially when we have the schedule that we've had now it essentially becomes your life <laughs> yeah and that's like that's a positive and a negative i think i mean the people on this boat that i'm close with i think I'm probably closer than anybody, like any other coworkers I've ever had, just because of the fact that we're all in this together. And, you know, they say embrace the suck, but it's it's fun in a way, too. Like, you see it on people's faces when we're about to get underway. We'll complain, you know, everybody will complain. But then the day that it comes, we're all kind of excited and we're like, you know, getting into the swing of things. And, and then we're out there. We're doing our thing. We're doing our work. And it's just, uh, it's an interesting time. You, you really got to experience it. And so I'm happy I did. So if you're on here and you think about, you know, not necessarily wanting to go underway, I would suggest that you do it. Just um, regardless if you're going to stay in or out of the Coast Guard, it's an interesting experience to get. Like I said, I wanted to, I think I'm going to be getting out of the Coast Guard, but I wanted to experience it regardless. Well, because you're coming from that perspective, I have a lot of people that, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay in or out, we'll see. But you you have a pretty good mindset of you're leaning towards leaving the Coast Guard mm-hmm. once your contract's up. So what I'd be interested to know is, could you give any objective advice as to why someone might want to stay in the Coast Guard longer than four years? Yeah, I mean, if you love your job and you love how the Coast Guard operates, then by all means, yeah, do make a career out of it. And I certainly could see myself doing a full 20 years, but we talked about this earlier, the pension is not you know what it was and it's not like you're going to be able to retire completely off of it anymore for me i don't see myself you know doing the whole 20 years making that pension and then starting kind of at the bottom again in another field or mm-hmm. a similar field but just a different workplace so you'd be at the bottom of the total pool again i don't really want that for myself also like i said stability i want to be able to kind of like nail down a career that uh, i think i will be with for the next 20 years and start working towards that I'm trying to get into fire departments right now and uh that's something i should see myself doing more long term but if you see yourself you know in the coast guard working hard for the next 20 years you know if you like moving if you like change of pace change of scenery every couple of years then yeah i think you'll enjoy it yeah that's you know that's the big thing too is like it's all about the factors i hear that a lot is the stability side because there's mm-hmm. not a lot of stability in the military we know that yeah just the fact alone, I mean, if you want to do 20 years, you're going to move probably, you know, five to six times. It's at just minimum, at, not taking promotions into account, exactly. which will make you move even more than that if you yeah. seek opportunity. I mean, I've just, I've never heard in my life so many people as I have on this boat say, I'm not going to take the service wide or I don't want to get promoted specifically mm-hmm. because they don't want to move. Yeah. Like every other organization, everyone jumps at a promotion. Yeah, really. But in the Coast Guard, it's very situational because, you know, when people have families and they're just getting settled in an area, do you really want to move all of a sudden again and upend their life? Yeah, and you see a lot of people being uh, geo-bachelors, so living away from their families just so that their families can have some of that stability still. But then you're sacrificing so much being away from them. And, uh, yeah, it's just hard. It's A lot of people have trouble making it work, so I've seen a lot of people get out because of that. So it's not for everybody, but... They can all take positives from their time in. Oh, yeah. And you're going to end up being a reservist, or at least an inactive reservist, for four years, because we all sign eight-year contracts by technicality coming in. But have you thought about joining the uh, reserves? Yeah, I've put a lot of thought into that. I think, ultimately, I will uh, be a reservist, not just an inactive reservist, but an active reservist. Uh, Because, you know, despite all my opinions of the Coast Guard and whatever I personal things I hold. I think it is a really good service and I think we do a lot of good things and I still do want to be a part of this organization in some capacity. So that's why I want to be able to be a reservist um, potentially in Seattle or wherever I get, you know, settled down after my initial contract ends. 
because you never know. I might, you know, want to come back in someday, or I might just want to, like, you know, be a weekend warrior and still feel like I'm in the Coast Guard. So well, weekend warriors. I mean, I, what I think is the coolest thing, and no one I've talked to has said a bad thing about the reserves, is oh, because yeah. it eliminates that instability factor. Number one, mm-hmm. you always know you're going to be near the unit where you choose to live, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a primary career and the Coast Guard your side career. Yeah. Almost like a side hustle at that point, but you're still serving your country, mm-hmm. number two. And there are a lot of benefits to staying reserves. I mean, you know, you still can be a part of that amazing healthcare plan the government has. And I think a lot of reservists enjoy their work a whole lot more because they're getting kind of the positive parts of the Coast Guard and not having to deal with so much of the, you know, everyday type stuff that uh, when I was at station, a bunch of guys, they're all. NYPD or FDNY and they would come in and they just had a blast because they're doing their hobbies they were doing what they love to do but then they could leave at the end of the day and we all yeah after the weekend duty. right yeah. and then like when yeah. they get you know a little burnt from their primary job oh I'll just go to the Coast yeah. Guard for my two weeks exactly go drive some boats around have some fun in the harbor so we'll see I don't know if for sure I'll be doing that but uh, I would like to yeah healthcare too that's another reason to stay in you know and to keep your foot in the door. Who knows? Everybody says that there's not a lot of, uh, well, I mean, I've heard Coasties say that there's not a lot of job opportunities out there right now. The economy is crashing. But it, I don't I don't know about all that. But if it does, you know, you have your foot in the door to get back in active duty. And if you really, really miss it, you know, being in the reserves will help that too. I would say, you know, the Coast Guard being active duty does provide that stability. But, I mean, at the same time, when I look at society wires are always going to break yeah uh toilets are going to clog yeah no there's definitely opportunities out there and some infrastructure needs to be improved definitely like those aren't going to go away yeah the people the first things to go i mean i sell gemstones on the side Mm -hmm. luxury item you don't need a gemstone to function in life it just sits yeah. there on the shelf and looks pretty yeah uh some people you know it has more meaning too mm-hmm. but plumbing you need that to survive and when it becomes a necessity i feel like that job is never short of work yeah you're always gonna need cops firefighters you know the people that are first line first responders mm-hmm. yeah well i you know it's it's just incredible to like have like these perspectives come on and stuff too because what I think is someone who's hosted a number of these episodes too is everyone sort of hammers a different area of why mm-hmm. they're in, yeah. why they might leave. And it provides the listener, you know, all of you people listening from all over the country and the world now, surprisingly, we've gotten a lot of international viewers recently. So nice. thank you very much for all listening. Uh, it really helps the channel out. Uh, but they're all listening from all over the place. And this might be someone that might decide never to join the Coast Guard whatsoever. But just hearing from your perspective, how to have a plan, make a path. And Mm -hmm. I think to touch on one last topic, that's also the important thing is that with Titus thinking about leaving the Coast Guard, he has a plan. Uh, The worst thing I would think in my mind is to say, oh, I, you know, Coast Guard is not for me. I'm going to leave and I'll figure something else out. Yeah, it's definitely important to have a couple of options. and But that's what the Coast Guard does. It gives you options. And I knew that coming in, and um, that's what I got out of it. Like, you're always going to have a leg up on anybody. You know, you're going to, you have this experience. You have just the fact that you uh, served a full contract for the government. That looks really good. And aside from all the knowledge and stuff that you get while in the Coast Guard, it's like, it's just such a, it's been a really meaningful experience. And... I mean, you know, I don't always feel the most positive about the Coast Guard at all times, but I can sincerely say that I love my time. And if you're thinking about joining the Coast Guard, do it. You know, mm-hmm. you will, I, I don't think anybody can fully look back on their four, eight, 12 years and say that they regretted uh, all of it. And you're always going to get something out of it. I've had opportunities afforded to me that I would never get otherwise. I've been living on the East Coast for the last three years. I'd probably would never have done that if it wasn't for the coast guard you go back you're probably gonna stay out west again (laughs) yeah exactly um i got to take a hundred tons captain course for free 
because a a donor provided the money to for us to take that class, I never would have been able to do that. I've earned qualifications that are, you know, I would never would have thought to do. Cutter swimmer. It's like all of these experiences are just really meaningful. And yeah. uh, for the yeah. rest of your life, too, they're gonna see that you have this work experience. And you have the discipline to have been able to have served in that term, no matter yeah. how long it is, mm-hmm. for any resume yeah. that comes out in the future. So when you start going to TAPS is what they call when you're getting ready to separate from the Coast Guard. So when Dixon goes to TAPS, he's going to learn all this stuff. But, yeah. you know, he knows it already is that this is what gives us the leg up on a resume where you have what they consider two equal candidates having the military service instantly puts you a peg or two higher because you have the work experience plus the discipline of service, Yeah, which is becoming more and more rare these days. I think less than 1% of all Americans now really, yeah. uh, have put on a uniform in any service. Yeah. And, you know, we think like 60, 70 years ago, like I think my grandparents say that down the street, Every single person had someone connected to the military in some way. Yeah. But now, when I walk down the street, I might be the only person that has any connection to the military mm-hmm. on my street. And, you know, it's a change in society and environment. And it's just important to realize the benefits of what being in the Coast Guard in the modern age with this change of environment can do. Yeah, it also has come a lot from being in peacetime for so long, but relatively. I mean, of course, there's been wars, but it's been relegated to the volunteer force. No conscription. Yeah. And that's really diminished a lot of exposure or thought of joining the military. Because a lot of the primary pool for joining the military is you have a family member already connected to the military. So mm-hmm. Coast Guard, though, it seems different. Everyone I talk to is like, oh, you know, I didn't hear about the Coast Guard, and then I just happened to wander into it somehow. Like, that's the primary yeah. reason how. Me personally, yeah, I have no connection to the military. I mean, my grandfather was in the Navy, but um, I didn't, you know, join because of that or anything. Exactly. I just joined because I looked at the mission set and I was, realized that it's a really cool service, and, you know, not everybody is able to do it either. So mm-hmm. I, I did feel that, like, want to serve in some capacity, and I still do. And, um, I really just wanted to help people and that's what we do like despite uh, you know us being on a buoy tender or if you're an AST you're helping people in some way in some sort of fashion so that's just the awesome thing about the Coast Guard it's like our mission is to like save lives yeah yeah in some way or another you're gonna be help people be a service yeah we are actual government servants (laughs) yeah just trying to help the public out yeah I thought that was really admirable about the Coast Guard and so, ultimately, that's why I decided to join. You feel still a sense of pride? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I do. It feels good to be part of something bigger than yourself. And that's something I don't want to lose, like, uh, leaving the Coast Guard, which is why I'm trying to become a firefighter as well. Like, I just I, I have that sense of wanting to help people and sense of service. So, it's, it's important to me. But if it's important to somebody listening and you're thinking about joining the Coast Guard, you really will feel like you're doing something bigger than yourself. And... That's something I've heard across the board, too, from all sorts of coasties from all walks of life. You know, they they felt that need to help or to serve, and no matter what your job is, you're doing it. Well, I'll look at this to finish out is that I've noticed what you're saying in one very important category, and that's that we all complain, and, like, we all complain, and we all, you know, moan and groan about, oh, we're getting underway again, and, oh, we're here again, and, you know, I think it's just something we do, because, like, people do that every job, but... Yeah, you ever notice when there's a visitor that comes on board, like someone's like friend or family member, how we always speak positively? Yeah, we're proud to show off what mm -hmm. we do, and it's like we can complain about it. We're the ones doing it, but at the end of the day, we all do. We join for a reason, and uh, I think we all generally enjoy what we do and uh, are proud of it. So, uh, yeah, I do notice that, and I'm the same way. You know. I'll show my family and I'm like, God, oh, this is awesome. This is a, uh, this is where we eat our food. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so proud of it. To us though, on a daily basis, like, Oh, here's the mess again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, I want to really thank you for coming on. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having a treat me. to have you. Yeah. And, uh, I hope that you'll still be able to take advantage of things like the national park pass. He's very outdoors, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
when you were playing in the woods when you were younger, you have any stick swords or anything that you were like? Of course. Sticks, guns, shields. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I got the Epic Pass this year for a discount, so that's always good. Do some snowboarding. Yeah, take advantage. I mean, that's the thing you get to take advantage of, you know, those mountain, well, you call them hills out here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different than snowboarding on the West Coast, but uh, I'll make do with what I can for now. <laughs> you know, holdover, what do we call it? Yeah. Just a temporary setback. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, what I get inspired from talking to you is that you made the most of your four years. And I think that's all that anyone could ask of themselves is, if you're thinking about joining, regardless of how long, I don't expect anyone that signs the papers to join the Coast Guard to say, I'm definitively doing 20 years or I'm definitely doing four years. Like, you got to see once you get in there. Mm -hmm. But however long you decide make the most of it and take every opportunity you can like Titus has because he set himself up accidentally for what he wants to do after post Coast Guard and that's all we could really ask anyone for yeah I think that's what the members want for each other is that we're all set afterwards that'd be the biggest piece of advice just make the most of it try not to get too down you know it's it's a hard job but um, it's really rewarding and you know, if you buckle down and do it, you'll get some really good things out of it. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you again, Titus, for coming on. And for anyone that's interested in damage controlment or has any questions about that, you can filter your questions through me again at that Instagram channel, and I'll be happy to answer them and ask Titus yeah. <laughs> uh, what he would think about any of those questions because it is one of the rates that isn't necessarily promoted that highly because i don't think it's it's a small rating super critical either right now it it is um uh stressed we're in need of e5s really bad so they're making a lot of e5s but um no it's a really small rating too so it's not critical or anything yet but right so you know a lot of times we hear a lot of promotion about bonuses being thrown out for Mm -hmm. the rates that are more stressed and critical so no damage control it's something that you know you don't really hear or see a lot about but again if especially if you like working with your hands and like the idea of those trades it might not be a bad idea to do a couple of years as damage controlman in the military and then go into whatever trade you decide you like from that service because it has allowed him to become a jack of all trades and see a little bit of everything rather than commit in right off the bat so Almost like a little bit of a gap year yeah, <laughs> type deal. A little bit. A couple gap years. <laughs> so yeah, just take full advantage of your opportunities and make the most of it. And if you have any other questions about the answer, like I said, just message the page. Be happy to answer. And uh, to you, Titus, thank you for coming on. Happy yeah. to have you as always. And Thanks for having me. I'd like to talk more about public transportation. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could talk for hours Keep about strict that. Keep <laughs> about Coast Guard for right now, how it ties, but... Really impressed we were able to tie it into it. Yeah. (laughs) And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in again. And we hope to hear you on the next episode. So stay tuned for our next guest. Thank you very much and have a great day.